Welcome to NatSec Tech, a podcast from the Special Competitive Studies Project. I'm Jean Meserve. On Monday and Tuesday, May 15th and 16th, government leaders, technologists, and democracy champions will gather in Denmark for the 6th Copenhagen Democracy Summit. China's President Xi Jinping and Russia's Vladimir Putin will dominate much of the discussion, but technology will also get a lot of attention, specifically how it can both bolster and undermine democracy. Putting on the event, the Alliance of Democracies. The Special Competitive Studies Project, which brings you this podcast, will be a co-host of Day 2. In the interest of transparency, I'm a member of the Transatlantic Commission on Election Integrity, which is part of the Alliance of Democracies. I will be one of the moderators for the Democracy Summit, as I have been in years past. With me here today is the founder and chairman of the Alliance of Democracies, a former Prime Minister of Denmark and a former Secretary General of NATO, Anders Fogh Rasmussen. It's great to have you with us. Thank you very much. A pleasure. With the Copenhagen Democracy Summit right around the corner, how would you characterize the health and strength of the democracies versus the world's autocracies? The world's democracies are really in a struggle with the world's autocracies. For the 17th consecutive year, we have seen a decline uh, in freedom and democracy worldwide. Uh, so now time has come to fight back, and that's why uh, I established uh, the foundation, the Alliance of Democracies Foundation, back in 2017, to create a forum for a discussion among leaders, political leaders, business leaders, democracy activists in democracies, how can we join forces to counter the advancing autocracies? So this is really a sort of strategy session for the democracies? Absolutely. Uh, we have seen how uh, Russia uh, has attacked Ukraine. We have seen how uh, China has threatened uh, Taiwan. We have seen autocrats around the world strike back. Uh, seen in a historic perspective, we who believe in a liberal democracy and a liberal organized world order uh, were so optimistic after the collapse of communism um, uh, at the beginning of uh, the 90s that we became too complacent. We forgot that we cannot take freedom and democracy for granted. We have to fight for it every day. Uh, so that's actually why we have the annual uh, Copenhagen Democracy Summit uh, to gather people from democracies and to discuss how can we uh, strengthen uh, the fight against uh, the oppressive autocrats. You mentioned Ukraine. It represents, of course, in concrete terms, the competition between democracy and autocracy. One of the sessions at the summit is called Ukraine's Path to Victory. Given that the war is dragging on, what is that path? That is to give Ukraine all the weapons and other kinds of assistance that the Ukrainians need to win this war. 
Um, and I think when we're speaking about we will help Ukraine for as long as it takes, we should rather state we will help Ukraine until Ukraine has won the war. Our aim is victory. And victory, it is very clear, it is to kick all out Russian, all Russian troops out of Ukrainian uh, territory. So to achieve that goal, we need to give the Ukrainians all the long-range missiles they need, all the heavy combat tanks, and eventually also fighter jets. And I'm optimistic. If we give the Ukrainians what they need, they have the courage and the strength to kick out all Russian troops of Ukrainian territory. Polls show that support for Ukraine in the West is softening. Are you concerned about that? I'm very much concerned about that. And that's also why we need to ensure rapid progress in uh, the Ukrainian war of defense against the Russian uh, aggression. In this respect, I also have a special message uh, to the American skeptics when it comes to uh, helping Ukraine. I'm taking note of statements uh, that it's only a territorial dispute, um, that uh, the United States should rather focus on China and Taiwan instead of devoting a lot of resources to helping Ukraine against uh, the Russian invasion. Let me make clear, there is no contradiction whatsoever between helping Ukraine and defending Taiwan. On the contrary, the two conflicts are linked. Uh, the best way to deter China from attacking Ukraine is to ensure a clear and rapid Ukrainian victory in the fight against Russia, because Ukrainian victory would give second thoughts in Beijing. Xi Jinping would think twice before attacking Taiwan because he has learned how the West determinedly has helped Ukraine and exposed Russia to profound sanctions. Even President Zelensky has said that he's concerned that too much is being expected of the pending Ukrainian counteroffensive, that that's going to be absolutely critical to maintaining Western support for his country. Are you concerned about that as well? Uh, obviously, there is a risk, but I, I, I don't think we should make any mistake here. Um, there's also a lot of strategic messaging from both sides, uh, by the way. We have also seen leaks of intelligence uh, from uh, uh, the American intelligence uh, services, and all that has impacted on the way uh, a Ukrainian counteroffensive is planned, including the timing of this. So basically, I'm not, I'm not too much concerned, but obviously a lot of events recently may have impacted the way this counter-offensive uh, is, is planned. 
Some of the world's democracies, notably India, have refused to take a side in the Ukrainian conflict. Does that illustrate that not every country buys into this binary of democracy versus autocracy? Obviously, yes. But basically, this is also about serving what India uh, considers its uh, self-interest. The main picture will be the following. I think we are approaching a new world order. Uh, We have two camps, a democratic camp led by the United States and an autocratic camp led by China. Obviously, it's not black and white. In between, you have a gray zone. For instance, India, as what I would call a non-aligned democracy, um, that on the one hand has strong links with an autocracy like Russia, but on the other hand also is opposed to another autocracy like China and is trying to ride two horses uh, by um, participating in the US-led security corporation in uh, the Asian region called the Quad, which is a security corporation between the United States, Japan, Australia, and India. Uh, And it's an Indian interest to strengthen that security corporation. So I think in conclusion, uh, we have to invest some resources in anchoring India firmly in the democratic camp. So in exchange for cutting their ties with Russia, we should offer India uh, weapons uh, in uh, to, to replace uh, the current flow of Russian weapons uh, to India, because basically India is a democracy. You've mentioned China is watching what's happening in Ukraine. Um, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has now expressed interest in China playing a part in mediating an end to the conflict in Ukraine. Is it important to talk about potential areas of cooperation with some of these autocracies, like China in this instance, as well as the conflicts um, between the two? Uh, Yes. Uh, For instance, when it comes to climate change, uh, it doesn't make sense to discuss countering climate change without including China, because China is one of the world's biggest uh, emitters. Um, uh, I'm doubtful when it comes to a Chinese uh, role Uh, as a mediator in the Ukrainian uh, conflict, I I really think China has engaged in a very strong partnership uh, with uh, Russia uh, in such a way that China cannot um, uh, take on uh, a role as an objective uh, mediator uh, in peace uh, negotiations. So, personally, I would doubt Uh, that China can play a constructive role in solving the crisis. Taiwan, the possibility of conflict there, obviously is going to get a lot of attention at the summit. Is China, do you think, an even bigger threat to democracy than Russia is? 
Absolutely. In the long run, China is a real, is a real geopolitical uh, challenge because Russia, Russia can play a role as a regional spoiler, but the difference between Russia and China is China is much, much bigger and China is a rising economy while Russia is a declining economy, partly because of negative demographics, uh, partly because of the lack of profound economic reforms of society. So it is true, the real long-term global challenge is China. But that's exactly why we should devote a lot of resources to ensure a Ukrainian victory uh, in the war against uh, Russia. And we need to uh, provide long-term security guarantees to Ukraine to ensure a stable and peaceful European continent. That's exactly in the interest of the United States, because that would free up resources to address the real long-term challenge, uh, namely uh, China. China has effectively used economics as a tool internationally to bring countries into its orbit. Is that something that's going to be discussed at the summit? Absolutely, uh, because um, China is also much more sophisticated uh, than, than Russia. For instance, um, when it comes to economics, um, uh, China has used its economic force uh, to execute what I would call co economic coercion against selected countries. We saw how um, China sanctioned uh, Australian goods after uh, a request from Australia to conduct an independent international investigation of uh, the origins of the COVID uh, pandemic. We saw how China uh, practically cut all economic ties with a tiny country, Lithuania in Europe, after Lithuania uh, accepted the opening of a Taiwanese representation office uh, in, in uh, Lithuania. Th my proposal would be that we introduce what I call an economic article five. Of course, it's inspired by my past position as NATO Secretary General, where we have a military Article 5. We consider an attack on one ally, an attack on all. We, in a similar way, we should consider an economic attack against a democracy, an attack on all the world's democracies. So we should together help that country which is exposed to Chinese economic coercion. So in the case of Lithuania, we should purchase more Lithuanian goods. We should invest more in Lithuania to replace uh, the lack of Chinese uh, imports and Chinese investments in Lithuania. That's what I call an economic article five. And that will be an issue to discuss at the summit. Technology has always been featured at the Democracy Summit, but even more so this year, the second day of the summit is devoted entirely to democracy and tech. 
is that because tech has become an even greater concern than it was? Yes, uh, we have seen how technology can uh, be misused by the world's autocrats to serve their uh, oppressive uh, targets um, or objectives. Um, using technology is, of course, a, a dilemma. On the one hand, technology can uh, serve us all in a positive way, can make our life uh, much easier, much more comfortable. Uh, the new, I mean, face recognition and all and and other identification technologies can make our daily life much much easier. But the negative aspect is it can also be misused by autocrats to strengthen the control on their uh, population. And we can use robots in a very positive way uh, to. Um, to get rid of uh, heavy, dirty uh, jobs, um, but it can, uh, that's a positive thing, but it can also be misused by autocrats uh, to produce killer robots uh, that can be sent towards the enemy. We have already seen that actually uh, in the Ukrainian uh, war. Uh, so technology can be used in a positive way and in a negative way. We have to discuss at the summit how can we formulate international norms and standards uh, that are based on uh, the principles of freedom and democracy. And how do you do that, particularly if Russia and China are reluctant to sign on? Yeah, <laughs> that's a big question. Um, I think one way forward could be to create what I would call an, a technological alliance of democracies um, uh, that adhere to certain principles when it comes to the use of emerging uh, technologies. And members of this technological alliance of democracies uh, should give each other preferential treatment. We should allow for easy exchange of um, uh, new tech technology, etc. Again, in my uh, worldview, I see two camps, more or less, a democratic camp and an autocratic camp. And I think we will see less interaction when it comes to economic interaction, when it comes to exchange of technology between the two camps. But hopefully, we will see much more exchange within the democratic camp. Because basically, I think uh, the world as such, human mankind, is best served by an open world, open societies, free movement of people, but we shouldn't be naive and we shouldn't sit idly by uh, while the Chinese are exploiting uh, freedom uh, and new technology to serve their autocratic objectives. I remember several years ago interviewing 
um, allegedly Donald Trump. It was actually a deep fake that I was interviewing at your Democracy Summit. Yeah. AI has improved tremendously since then. Are you worried about the role deep fakes are going to play in democratic elections around the world in the near term? Yes, uh, it is a concern because you can imagine. Now, now you're, you're quite right. Uh, we made it as a stunt, uh, so to speak, and, and people already at that time could not clearly identify who was the true Trump and who was the fake uh, Trump. And you're right, since then, the technology has uh, developed significantly. Uh, you can imagine if uh, hostile forces are spreading uh, fake news two days, three days before election day, how it can have uh, a deep impact uh, on the outcome of, of uh, democratic uh, elections. So I am concerned uh, about this challenge. This is exactly the reason why uh, I established the Transatlantic Commission on Election Integrity uh, together with um, President Biden, then Vice President Biden, back in uh, 2018. And the focus of this uh, commission is exactly to to identify disinformation and develop tools uh, to detect um, disinformation. And this is really uh, a race uh, to be on top of the development because, uh, as you mentioned, uh, the development, the progress in this uh, area is so rapid that we all we we have to really speed up uh, to um, uh, detect, identify, and counter disinformation. Anders, I'd love to ask you a question about American democracy. Um, at past summits, we've had some discussion uh, about that. Are you going to be taking a look again this year at the state of democracy in the United States? Uh, yes. Uh... Uh, both uh, former Speaker Nancy Pelosi and former Secretary of State uh, Condi Rice uh, will address uh, the, the summit and we will, of course, uh, discuss uh, the American engagement, uh, I would say American global uh, engagement. So to speak honestly about it, I don't think the main challenge is a state of American democracy. Obviously, you, you have problems, uh, like all democracies uh, do have uh, problems. But now, let us focus on the overall challenge. And the overall challenge is um, uh, the advancing autocracies and how to counter the advancing autocracies. And in that respect, I think the lesson learned is the lack of American global leadership is maybe the biggest threat to global democracy. The lesson is if 
the United States retreats, the United States will leave behind a vacuum, and that vacuum will be filled by the bad guys, the autocrats. We have seen that during history, we have seen it time and again, and we are seeing it also right now. So that will be my focus. How can we ensure a continued American global leadership? I think that's much more important than to discuss the 6th of January and issues related to that. Anders Fogh Rasmussen, former Secretary General of NATO, former Danish Prime Minister, founder and chairman of the Alliance of Democracies. Thank you for joining us to preview the Copenhagen Democracy Summit. I look forward to seeing you in a couple of days in Denmark. Likewise. Thank you very much. I'm Jean Meserve. Thank you for joining us for another edition of NatSec Tech, a podcast from the Special Competitive Studies Project. I hope you'll do so again. Take care. 